This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today is Jonathan Brook.
This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. I'm very pleased to be joined today by phone by Jonathan Brook. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hi, John. I'm doing okay. <laughs> Sequestered and but healthy. Oh, it's a real treat to get a chance to speak with you. And I'll I'll just tell folks this is um this is this interview is the result of in some ways this pandemic in the sense that uh, you know, we are in recording this in the beginning of, of uh, April 2020. And generally, generally speaking, uh, I interview artists who have either come to Montana or are coming to Montana. Um, but this was a matter of nobody's coming anywhere or going anywhere. So <laughs> I just happened to turn on Instagram or Facebook, one of the two, and saw one of your couch concerts. And I thought, oh, that's great. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to have her on the show and I never have had a chance to meet her or, or uh, you know, even see, her, see you perform live. I think the closest you came was Sandpoint, Idaho. I think you did the oh, festival at Sandpoint. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. Yes, I loved that. That was super fun. Yeah, so. But yeah, I mean, look how, look how crafty we're all getting yeah. with technology <laughs> well, right. and like, and how, how global we are. <laughs> and, and the funny thing was, I just was, you know, watching you perform there on your couch over the internet. And I thought, well, what the heck? I mean, she seems like she's, you know, just trying to find stuff to do too. So I'll just contact her uh, publicist and say, what do you think? We've got a really great show here for Musician Spotlight, and we'd love to have her be on the program, and uh, we got the okay. So uh, all, the, all the more... That's uh, really sweet. Yeah, so all the more uh, great that you're getting a chance to to talk shop with us. And uh, as we, as I said, as we're recording this uh, you know, in the midst of a pandemic, and I've done a couple of other phone interviews and it's like it's almost like the pandemic is sort of the co-star or co-host, how you want, to, however you want to put it, because it's going to be there <laughs> and be there for a while in terms of just hanging over things. So beyond the couch sessions and your, uh, no, you did one from your kitchen yesterday, which I'm going to get to, just some thoughts in general as to how you're holding up there. In, in, in Minnesota, I started to say, I, I, I tend to associate you with being in Boston, but you're now in the Twin Cities area? Yeah. I mean, I'm from Boston. I'm a Boston girl, uh, but I've lived in Los Angeles. And then I was in New York for about 15 years. And three years ago, my husband and I moved to Minnesota, to Minneapolis. Um, he's from here. So oh, okay. I wasn't, I, I'd been here enough not to be super afraid. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that it was a great city and it was actually the only other city that we considered. We were kind of, you know, we didn't want to go back to LA. We were burnt out on New York and why not just move smack in the middle? So, so we did that. As far as the pandemic is concerned, it's kind of an ongoing roller coaster. I think for probably a lot of us, um, it just, it feels like this emotional ride and where some days you know there's an intense kind of busyness because you're manic and frustrated and pissed and um, other days it's just this overwhelming sadness and grief for for the loss of normalcy and and the wondering of whether it ever will be normal again like will people be able to gather in the ways that we used to will will touring musicians be able to somehow build back up to where we were you know it's it's really terrifying to see the rest of this year sort of (laughs) reaching out in front of us with nothing on the horizon like it's just from you know having this really lovely career to wow I need to get another gig (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah 
And on the most basic level, I mean, what we do as musicians is to get together with people who gather. And yeah. part of that is, you know, contact, even physical contact. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and obviously the, the beauty of like how we're all sort of figuring it out right now is that we do have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and so we can do these, like I'm doing every Monday at two, I'm doing a little sort of concert from my kitchen and encouraging people to contribute if they are able, you know, as if they were buying a ticket because it's an hour and it's, it's music. And, um, it's so far, it's been awesome. Yeah. Like an incredible outpouring of support and people, you know, I watch the comments as they go by as I'm singing and it's really exciting. And, and I've been nervous about like, okay, can we sustain this? Right. Cause like everyone and their uh -huh. little sister is now doing like a kitchen concert exactly. and asking for donations. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if it's a sustainable new model, at least for the near future. Well, and as I was saying, I was doing research for this interview yesterday and, and put up on Facebook, and I'll, I'll get to this a little bit later in the conversation, uh, you know, an, an offer for folks to come up with suggestions for questions. And one of the guys said, hey, she's on right now. <laughs> she's so turned, her, turned to her Facebook page. She's, she's, uh, she's doing a concert. Just ask her. Yeah. Jonathan, it seems like this is going to be a thing for a little while. And what was it like just kind of set up? I saw an earlier post that you did, but just trying to set up <laughs> the studio. <laughs> oh, I'm such a gear fail person. I'm just like, the, so the first week I did it with just using my laptop camera and the um, a little sort of ginchy mic that I have. And it seemed to go okay. And then Yesterday I was using my phone because I have a a phone with a really good camera, but the, there was a delay. So what I was seeing on my laptop, as you know, to so that I could watch the sort of comments going by, was like six seconds later than what I was actually oh, yeah. playing or saying. So it was really distracting to try to maintain composure and pretend that I was seeing what I was pretending to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, okay, now next week, what am I going to do? Because there's some, there's some like geeky audiophile people complaining about the echo in my kitchen. And oh, I'm like, look, please. I don't have like sound baffles and I don't have fancy mic systems <sighs> and I'm not particularly technical. And if I try to do it from upstairs where there's definitely less echo, the internet will probably cut out. So I'm just like, come on, people, man, give me a yeah. break. I'm doing my best. Yeah. I'm in my kitchen and like... Just like I'm giving you all the songs you asked for. Let's let's be friends. <laughs> mm. I go to church on Sunday and sense in full. I'm losing all of my conviction in this suffocating room. There are the stained glass windows. Down the day, I'm dreaming of your body as I'm kneeling down to pray, praying that you stay. Be my midnight hallelujah, stay. Be my two way amen, stay. Be my sweet, sweet revelation. And maybe in the morning we can make amends. We can make amends. We can make amends 
many rules, no reason Where the hell is grace? I'm tired of hypocrisy Cause nothing makes sense to me So I go to church on Sunday I'm trying for restraint But I'm a tongue-tied black belt sinner And I'm running with the saints And I'm praying that you This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Brooke calling us from the Twin Cities of Minnesota. A lot of people pick up your story musically with, you know, the story with Jennifer Kimball. I guess one of the questions I have for you, though, is, and I'm always fascinated by this, do you remember at some point when you were younger, when you realized by either by singing or by having written a song early on, that the response that you got from... Uh, from other folks, or even maybe the responses you got from yourself told you, okay, this is going to be part of my journey. Well, getting a record deal was sort of the indicator. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> that would do it. <laughs> um, that was that was the biggest indicator. But I I think that there was definitely. It's weird because I I was late to the game in terms of being a musician. I'm not I'm not a Billie Eilish story. I'm a, uh, you know, I was a full time professional dancer till I was almost 30. And Jennifer and I were singing around New England in the coffee houses and the, you know, church basements um, around that time. But it wasn't until I think I was 28, maybe when we we got the record deal with uh, an independent label first. And then that gradually brought us to Electra Records at Warner Brothers. Um, But I think it was you know, that that first call, especially from Tommy LaPuma at, at Warner Brothers, was the one that was like, wow, okay, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, this is this is really serious and someone else is taking these songs as seriously as I am. And so I had to, you know, I quit all those dance companies I was <laughs> dancing in in Boston and uh, Jennifer and I got on the bus basically. 
Yeah, I'll say. But where I came to know your work was from Plum was your debut solo recording, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. So that's where you popped onto my radar for sure. Um, and then 10 Cent Wings. And then from my recollection, you had one of these experiences that, that was not completely alien to a lot of folks where with the change in how major labels worked, you made this switch and were early on one of the pioneers of truly independent musicians using the internet in ways that eventually became standard. Yeah, I was pretty lucky at that time. It was in the middle of a, a tour for Tencent Wings, in fact, that I got sort of summarily dropped because of a quirk in my contract and, of course, also because of a regime change at the top. So it was like 1998. Eight, I think I was on the road and all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, you know, this is, wow. this record is beloved to me. Secrets and Lies was just charting at radio and all of a sudden I had no label and they were actually calling the radio stations and telling them to stop playing me because they had decided to drop me rather than, you know, fulfill their promises. So it was kind of like this weird, wait a minute, we're, we're like, what? Why do why are you doing this now? Why don't we like have a little conference and talk about well let's keep let's at least work on this song and then we can decide in six months whether you hate me or something. Oh, <laughs> like what's going on? So um, they just they never called me back. You know I was trying to sort of set up a detente and and that never happened and they just disappeared and so I was like well wait a minute this this sucks and I could do way better job than this because. I know that there's an audience out there. I've had the luxury of these two records, at least, you know, for short stints. I've had that luxury of the big money behind me. So I do have an audience and I can count on them. And they don't care whether I'm on Warner Brothers or uh, my label now, which is called Bad Dog Records. Um, they don't really care. They just want to come see the shows and be able to buy new music when it's ready. So that was the beginning of Bad Dog Records. And we put out our first record in 99. And, you know, just as a sort of testing of the waters, we put out a live record from that tour. And um, the response was incredible. And it just sort of gave me the guts and reassurance to, to keep moving and to just do it myself. And um, I've been doing it myself ever since. Any I hope things line up for you on our own shiny and new you can't keep on living in one small room and you never let anyone in never let anyone in and any you think the whole world's been cruel all the stars took advantage of you your mother was cold and your daddy no Stomped your feet till they noticed Stomped your feet till they put on the kid gloves Now they're walking on eggshells They're walking on glass Sing your lullaby each time you ask And someday you'll pick yourself up off your ass and go But any you think the boys never played fair Face there, and he might be gone. 
Jonathan Brooke joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Jonathan, one of the things I wanted to ask you about in in as your career went on, um, and then getting a chance to hear you again here these last few days over the internet on Facebook and and Instagram, and so forth. Uh, your singing sounds as fresh as it did twenty years ago. We talk about that passage of twenty years. Um, how do you keep your voice in shape? Like, how do you? And <laughs> I know you're probably thinking of that. There was one you did, and you said you had like pre-adolescent uh, um, <laughs> voice change. Puberty syndrome, like adult onset puberty yeah. syndrome. Right. right. <laughs> that that notwithstanding, certainly seeing seeing you do like a full set on on Facebook. I mean, it, it was really remarkable. Um, just talk. Oh, to that's me, very yeah, sweet of talk you. Talk to me about how just as a singer that health of that voice is that's that's not a given uh well thank you i i uh it's been an interesting journey i mean i used to be when i first started out i was super paranoid and i was you know like we would never i would never have dairy products before i sang and i would be like stay away from chocolate and i blah i would never drink and it was just so boring and and so paranoia making that i i you know over the years i've become way less superstitious and you know, I, I guess actually it's Beth Nielsen Chapman who told me this of like, look, you know, when you're talking, you're basically singing. So like, stop worrying about it. <laughs> like, like if you, if you can do like, like, Hey, Mr. Gets my dog, you know, you can certainly sing those high notes and, um, you know, to sort of take the mystique out of it for me was a big help. And also to, um, I don't know, I guess I, I just sing the way I sing. And, uh, for me, coming from a dance background, my whole shtick has just been to sort of be physically limber. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for better or for worse, uh, that's that's my warm-up is like doing some dancer stretches and maybe some push-ups or something. And I actually am kind of excited about my low notes getting lower Interesting. as I get older. Uh -huh. um, and that's something that, I mean, as much as Joni Mitchell is a chain smoker and that's part of why her voice is so baritone now mm -hmm. i i just think it's an incredible sound that she makes you know e even given the limitations um you know from that high high soprano right. of her very first records to the you know the Joni baritone now um 
So I'm just, yeah, I, so far so good. There, <laughs> there are weird moments of the month when my voice will sort of crack in a certain range, but that's just life. In college, I, um, I, was, I was listening to Bonnie Raitt a lot. And Ricky Lee Jones and Bonnie Raitt and Shaka Khan were like my three mainstays when I was in college. And I was just a huge, well, I still am a Bonnie Raitt fan. And I was like, all right, how am I going to sound like that? So I, you know, I started smoking cigarettes and <laughs> drinking 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 whiskey and stuff and thinking that maybe I would get sort of that lower more lived in kind of saddle leather voice but it just didn't I'm still sort of I you know I am who I am and I sound the way I sound <laughs> you're begging me to go then you're making me stay why do you hurt me so bad it would help me to know Do I stand in your way? Or am I the best thing you've had? Believe me, believe me I can't tell you why But I'm trapped by your love And I'm chained to your side We are young
We'll be back with more Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Jonathan Brooke. Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Jonathan Brooke. Yeah. <laughs> 
Jonathan, I would be remiss in not bringing up your your album, The Works. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, how does one even begin to approach something like this? And I'll just let you, I'll, I'll ask the question like that and then have you explain <laughs> why I would ask something like that. <clears throat> well, uh, The Works is... Oh, it was really an amazing experience making that record. Uh, it, it is uh, Woody Guthrie's words and my music. And I was lucky enough to be invited by Woody Guthrie's daughter, Nora, to come into the Guthrie archives in New York City and just basically kind of poke through all of his things, um, folders and folders of lyric ideas, notebooks of journal entries, napkins that he'd scribbled on, stationery from weird hotels around the country, um, weird art pieces that he'd created and then written lyrics inside of these watercolor charcoal works. Just an unbelievable treasure trove of stuff. And Nora so beautifully trusted me to just make a record that felt right to me. She she told me like many, many days in a row, she would say, don't worry about Woody. He's going to be fine. Just make, this record is about, I love that. <laughs> this record is about you, you know? So That's if you want to take, if you want to take a couplet from a journal from 1946 and pair it with a scribbled napkin from when he was actually institutionalized in 1967, Go for it. See what happens, and and he'd be thrilled. I'm, you know, just imagine him sitting on your shoulder, uh, egging you on. And so, oh, wow. I just felt this amazing confidence from her and uh, uh, belief, and this this feeling that I could do anything, and that he was gunning for it. So, you know, for instance, a song like "My Battle" is. Uh, the the B section is I never dread the day that I'll die because my sunset is somebody's morning sky. Mm. I mean, that's such a beautiful couplet. Um, and that's from a journal from like the late 40s, I think. And and then, but there was nothing else around it that sort of rose to the occasion of that, those two lines. So I ended up pairing that with a scribbled piece of like tattered legal paper that he'd scribbled on and it was barely legible. By that time, his his handwriting was like chicken scratch because he had Huntington's disease. Um, but it was just this really plaintive, almost like a hymn that he'd written called My Battle. And he, you know, he just said, show me how to fight my battle, Lord. Show me how to win my battle. Show me how to love. Show me how to fight. Show me how to win. And so I sort of created this song that went with that original couplet and um, that's still one of my favorite songs on the record. Mm. Yeah, and boy, that last bit sure is uh, apropos right now for what a lot of folks are going through. <laughs> Show yeah. us how to, how it's to weird how, fight this fight. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting in the kitchen concerts I've been doing, like how as I'll be singing songs, Obviously, the the lyrics take on a whole different meaning in this in the middle of this crisis. You know, so many of the lyrics have a much deeper kind of import at the moment. I ride the fastest horse and chips. I sip the sweetest, warmest lips. I deck myself with the prettiest clothes. True love is frozen cold. This 
soldiers bold have tried me. Sailor men that sailed the sea. Pioneers that broke my sword. My true love is frozen cold. If you would open and raise my soul, if you would pass my gates and doors, if you unlock my frozen loves, I'll just drink my sweet. Soldiers in their pride, the fat, the slim, the tall, the fair, and undid comb my tangled hair. When I do find my one of all, I'll dance my joy and sing my call. My mountain tree will see us roll. That chain my soul. If you would open and raise my soul, if you would pass my gates and doors, if you would unlock my frozen bows, just drink my sweet and bitter bowl. My eyes tell you you're this one. My lifetime long and Brings you in, and I'll forgive your greatest sin. 'Cause when I hold you warm in hand and walk you through creation's land, love me like our easiest breeze. Kisses I send in my windbird trees. If you would open and raise. You'll be my hottest, driest thirst. You are my fire that never dies. My soul is in your hands and eyes. If you would open and raise my.
This is John Floridas, and you're listening to Musicians Spotlight, joined today by Jonathan Brooke. I'm going to ev- evoke a, um, invoke rather a, uh, or I could be evoking too, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a, a Musician Spotlight host's indulgence here. I have to ask you about Because I Told You So, which is definitely one of your oh. most beloved songs. Obviously a song that really resonates with people. And just want to ask you to tell us a little bit about that song. Oh, that is a that I'm very proud of that song and and some of the songs that are the most universal and lasting are the ones that are kind of gift songs. They just sort of appear out of the ether and you get out of the way and you write it down and you keep singing it so that you don't forget it. And that was one of those songs. Uh, it was definitely sort of in retrospect, it was a little bit cataloging the end of my first marriage. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. um, and at the time I was, that we were producing that record together, my ex-husband Alain Malay and I, and it was, you know, a labor of love and it was uh, very intense. And uh, I just remember trying to sing that. We did a lot of the recording in our living room for that record that was on 10 Cent Wings. And I remember just over and over trying to get that, that vocal to be as as simple and plaintive and clear as possible. And him, I remember Alain just like, nope, that wasn't it. (laughs) Making me re-sing it. And then the the sort of the the pain and sadness between us, because I think we, we both, you know, deep down knew, you know, that we weren't doing so well. And yet we were creating this beautiful piece of art together. And he was an amazing producer. And that record is just all um, just his brilliant ideas and his production. And yet we were sort of falling apart. And um, we were so proud of it. You know, we would play it for friends and they would just come out with these sort of shell-shocked looks on their faces of like kind of getting from the record and from the songs like what was going on, but not wanting to like react too badly and just sort of acting asking if we were okay you know like hey are you guys is everything okay with you guys yeah. are you doing all right uh-huh. um, but anyway that song is I mean everybody recognize, recognizes themselves in it everybody recognizes that you know there there are those relationships where no matter what you say no matter what you do you're kind of you're kind of doomed and it's it's just this weighty sadness of you know, now will you believe me? Uh, now will you believe me? Don't you, can't you believe me now? <laughs> uh, <sighs> wow, I, I'm struck by your the emotion in your voice just talking about this after all these years. I mean, it's, it's very true. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's, that's very personal. It is. I don't think I've ever talked about it that way before. So. And I, I remember also fighting with someone about the form of that song and this person was at the at the label who shall remain nameless was saying like no 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 you have it all wrong like you have to keep repeating that bridge over and over like the bridge is the money you know uh-huh. bridge is the money it's that song you take like, the you need to, it, for now yeah point. number one you need to get to it way sooner because you know that's the most important part of the song mm. and you have to repeat it you have to repeat it and i'm like no 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 no. i'm sorry but on page 19 of my contract it says creative control and you are so wrong and that bridge is so special that it must be only once. And it must, you have to earn that bridge. The, you have to emotionally earn that bridge by what precedes it. Like, duh, you can't start, <laughs> you 
can't start with that bridge. And uh, I, I won, obviously, the battle. And I think what's special about special parts of songs is that they only happen once. And the bridge is, is one of those amazing opportunities as a composer, songwriter, of just that, of like finding something so exquisite that you could only say it in that one way in those four bars or eight bars and and then you have to let that take you to the out of your song and and if you do that right you've you've really you've won if i gave you the sky and if i laid down my life would you change and if I carried the blame would you believe me then could you see it lately and believe what I see could you listen and remember that I love you I told you, cause I told you so. And if you told me you lied, but I stayed true and tried, would you believe me then? And if your beauty was gone. But my love lingered on Would you believe me then? Could you see it like me? And believe what I see? Could you listen and Jonathan Brooke joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Jonathan, I mentioned earlier that I had opened up the Facebook page to to get some suggestions for some questions. Uh, put uh, one of your best promo photos up there 
to, to entice people to, to uh, jump on board. Uh, we did get one request for your phone number, which I will, I will, won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I still got it. <laughs> yeah. You still got it. Uh, I, that we, we won't uh, give that out, but, um, let's see. Uh, oh, another guy wanted to know if you still have the red leather pants. Apparently I know you're very style oh, conscious. Oh my so. God. <laughs> That's so great. I don't have the red leather pants. I kind of wish I did. They, they, um, I wore them on the David Letterman show with my Starsky and Hutch t-shirt. So, you know, and as over the years, when I looked back at the clip from the Letterman show, I'm like, what was I wearing? Why did I wear those stupid pants? (laughs) But at the time it seemed like a good idea and the pants fit really well. And yeah, I do wish I had them now, but I but I don't. Sadly, we'll 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 let uh, we'll let him know. Um, okay. Now, Grace from Missoula here, who uh, uh, is a local musician and and uh, an avid listener, she always pitches in. Uh, and I'm just going to read this to you. It says, "OMG, the stories. The Angel in the House is such a favorite. I saw them at the South Station, literally a train station in Boston in 1993. Oh, wow. uh, now I want to go play so much mine on the piano. Here's the question." Um, what are the changes, good or bad or ugly, about being a songwriter now versus the early 90s, a.k.a. the heyday of college radio? You kind of touched on that a little mm. bit. Here's the part that I think is really good. What does she wish she knew then? Oof. I think I wish I knew then that I should really learn how to work technical things that I should (laughs) I wish I knew then that I should really pay attention and learn Pro Tools right in the early days when it came out and learn how to do all the stuff myself because I would be having a ball now like recording stuff up in my room if I were a little less inept at the technical side of things. Oh, I know one other thing that I wish I knew then and I think it I think it just comes with age and learning the grace of things is that there's there's plenty of room for everybody generosity will always always um, suit you well and and will always always be the right way to go Jonathan, we would be remiss after having this wonderful conversation if we didn't mention the fact that, well, in addition, you, you, we've put out a couple of albums here in the last couple of years, but you've got a brand new one that you're working on as we speak. It's in the pipeline, <laughs> which is what's so exciting about how um, these Monday concerts have really made a difference because I, I had all these bills coming in that I had sort of planned around my tour schedule and that kind of income. And all of a sudden there's like no income 
And thank God for people who were donating on the concerts because now I can pay the mastering engineer and I can pay my mixer so that this album can come forward. Uh, so basically, it's at last fall, I, re- I did a recording workshop at Sweetwater Studios in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's this amazing studio, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but Sweetwater <laughs> is also kind of, it's kind of like the gear, guitar, tech destination for people who are buying stuff and need advice about their their rigs. Um, it's an amazing place. It is. I'm only laughing because I went to high school and college in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I know. And, oh my God. And so Sweetwater, you know, like, yeah. And Sweetwater was, you know, a nice music store, but it, it grew yeah. into this empire. So it's yeah, like, I know it's exactly like, what you're talking it's about. the Amazon of, of music. Yeah, so totally. Totally. Anyway, we, we were doing this recording workshop and Mark Hornsby, who's uh, my co-producer, and I were talking about, well, hey, you know, I'm going to be there for three days and there are going to be like 15 dudes sort of watching us record songs and seeing how it's done. But why not stay a couple extra days and see if we can get a whole record recorded? I mean, I love that way of recording anyway, where it's live in the studio and you're not, you know, redoing everything and pro-tooling everything and flying and cutting and pasting. I like, I like live. I like for it to feel like it's a performance in a room with some people and they're making music and they're enjoying the camaraderie and, you know, the stuff that happens electrically by mistake or by providence. And so we we did that. We recorded 11 songs in like four days and uh, that's what the Sweetwater Sessions are. And it was songs that I chose from my entire catalog that maybe hadn't seen the light of day in a really long time and then do some other songs a little bit differently than before and then just a kind of a good sounding gritty band record. JonathaBrook.com is the name of Jonathan's website. Uh, if you have not seen her name in print, just think of Jonathan and take the N off the end. <laughs> Jonathan, J O. Well done. J- J- well, with a name like Florida, I'm used to uh, you know finding ways to tell people how to get there. Uh, J O. Oh, it's not Florida. Well, yes, yeah, in Athens, it's uh, Florida. 
Floridas. JonathanBrook.com and keep your eyes and ears open for the Sweetwater Sessions. The website's a great website and all kinds of information there for folks to dive into and follow your career, your tours, which I very much hope will become a thing <laughs> again. <laughs> oh, me too, guys. I mean, I really do love that part of my life, so I hope it comes back. Uh, and in the meantime, check out her social media pages for couch concerts as well as live from Jonathan's Kitchen Productions. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, on a random call and random uh, inquiry from Missoula, Montana to have a chat with us here at Musician Spotlight. It's been a real pleasure. I very much hope that you get to Montana sometime and we get a chance to meet and uh, have another conversation face to face well likewise thank you so much for taking the time and i can't wait to get to montana it will be <laughs> we'll have a parade this is john floridas you've been listening to musicians spotlight our guest today has been jonathan brooke if you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Twitter and on Facebook. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes and Spotify. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.